I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And those of you who are worshiping with us via video and online, we're glad you're along for the ride. There's our fourth installment in Smart Life. We're looking at lessons from the book of Proverbs. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Smart Money. We've talked about having a smart heart. We've talked about having uh, a smart tongue, not a smart mouth. The Bible warns us against that one. Uh, A smart tongue about uh, making sure that today we're going to talk about being smart with our money. And uh, it's important that we do so. We have cell phones that are smartphones, and these days we can now, I can go and I can cash a check just by taking a picture of it. If I have the app on my phone, I can check my bank account or my credit score at any time. I can load my credit card information. I can tap something, and the money transfers. It's never been easier to spend money. Amen? Yeah. Mm, I should have said a groan on that one. Because the truth is, we can access our funds, and there's tools for us now. Our phones have never been smarter. The problem is sometimes we're not, and we spend our money foolishly. We don't plan ahead. We don't take care of our resources, and that is something, if we're going to get smart, I can't get an app for it, but I can do is I can listen to God's word, and I can apply it to my life. Welcome to Proverbs. It's how I can get smart, not just with my money, with anything, and that's why we're doing this series. So, Today we're going to talk about money because it matters. Let me have a word of prayer for us. We're going to jump right in. Lord, uh, I want a smart life. I do not want to be foolish with my time. I don't want to be foolish with my tongue or my temper or anything else. And I certainly don't want to be foolish with my money. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Guide us today in what Solomon said about being wise with our money. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, take some notes, and please take some notes today. Some good stuff. Solomon knew what he was talking about. Just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you a pen. Point A, God wants us to live smart lives. And by the way, this is a book on wisdom. The, the, you could write in the margin next to that, skill. Skilled lives would work. The word for wisdom in the Bible is the same as skill. When it talks about somebody in the Old Testament who was skilled with working at wood or working with material or other things, uh, if they were a skilled seamstress, they had what the Bible would call wisdom. Same word. If you, and so you can imagine a person who's a wood carver who's really good at carving wood. Well, that person was skilled. He's wise with wood. He knows how to make it work. If you don't, you don't. But you can learn from him. And that's what Solomon wanted. So these are the Proverbs of Solomon, Proverbs 1 here. David, uh, Solomon, David's son, the king of Israel. The pur- their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what's right and just and fair. So if I wanted to learn carving wood, I'd go hang around with uh, someone who whittles, well, at least a little bit. Uh, but anyway, um, I, yeah, 8 o'clock was not so kind. You guys are good. I like you. Okay, but anyway, I would hang around them and gain wisdom. Okay, well... These Proverbs are how Solomon is going to teach us to be skilled in many parts of life. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. So if you're young and you don't have much experience, Solomon says, learn from me. If you're wise and you meditate on this, you get wiser still. We had a marriage conference this weekend, and some of the people who went there have great marriages. And people ask me, why would you want someone with a great marriage to go to a marriage conference? So they can have a better marriage still. How do you have too good of a marriage? How do I ever say I'm too wise? Oh, no, no, I'll pass on more wisdom. What? Never. So let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise, and their riddles. 
And so some of the, a proverb, by the way, is an extremely effective way of teaching wisdom because it's like a little puzzle or a little rhyme, a little saying. And the more you tumble it around, the more wisdom you soak up from it. And so Solomon, being the wisest man who ever lived, knew that. And so he wrote thousands of proverbs. We have a couple of hundred of them that were saved for us in the Bible. Point B, the reason we go to Solomon is because God made Solomon smarter and richer than anyone else, which is why we're talking to him, we're listening to him about money. And here's how it all came about. Give me an understanding heart. And we've mentioned this every week too because it's important to get the background. Listen to this. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. We're jumping into a conversation where God had asked Solomon to make a wish, basically. He appeared to him in a dream one night. He said, Solomon, I'll grant you one wish. What would it be? And Solomon said, I want a wise and understanding heart. For who himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you've asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as, that no, such as no one else has had or ever will have. And that's how far we've gotten on this verse. This is the first time I've added the next verse because it applies to today. And the Lord said, and underline this, please. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. Please underline that. You're gonna, we're going to come back to that three or four times. Riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Solomon did not ask for riches and fame, and God give it to, gave it to him anyway. And as we go through this, these Proverbs, you'll understand why. You'll understand why. It matters. Point C, Solomon understood that wisdom is better than riches. That's the reason why he asked for wisdom more than riches. He could have asked, God said, I'll give you whatever you want. He could have said, God, make me fabulously wealthy. He did, but, not, but only because Solomon asked for wisdom first. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. This is Solomon in Proverbs 3. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. But you have to have the wisdom first. A little later in Proverbs 17, you'll see a, a little more clarification on this. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? And there, therein lies the problem. If you and I had all this money given to us and we had no wisdom, we'd lose it. And the evidence is overwhelming for this in our culture. We know of professional athletes. We know of movie stars. We know of people who win lotteries. They're given huge sums of money but have no business sense, no wisdom with money. And then in just a few years, not only did they spend their money, but they're deep in debt. People in their 30s who made $100 million in their 20s, and now they're flat broke or deep in debt. They burned through it. Why? They had no idea what they were doing. And so Solomon says, whoa, whoa. Wisdom is much better than riches. Because riches are of no use in the hands of a fool. He's going to burn right through it and throw it away. So it's better to pray for wisdom than to pray for riches. Because if you don't have the wisdom, you couldn't handle it anyway. Here's a life application. We must seek God's wisdom so we know how to handle our money. So if you've been praying to win the lottery, let's change the prayers a little bit, okay? Let's pray about handling the money we already have. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Solomon again. Hey, 
You want a long life? You want a truly happy life? You want to be able to handle riches? Well, then it starts with fear of the Lord and humility. I mean, remember, Solomon was in no doubt about this. He knew that the wisdom had come from God because he asked for it. And he knew that God had given him riches on top of that. And he said, well, but I wouldn't have known how to handle any of that if I hadn't had the wisdom first. So fear of the Lord is where you start. He feared the Lord. Solomon feared the Lord in the biblical sense, the right sense of awe and honor and saying, God, you made me king after my father, David. I can't do this without your help. I'm like a little child wandering around. I can't do it. So make me wise so I can govern. And the Lord's like, okay, well, if you want wisdom and if you put me first and you just want to do what I commanded you to do, okay, well, now I can entrust you with other things too. You figured it out. What if we thought this way? What if we thought about, well, Lord, I want to please you with the money I have, the resources I have. And Lord, if I please you with that, well, of course, then it would make sense you'd entrust me with more. I mean, that was Solomon's desire to please God. You put me as king, help me please you and be a good king. Lord, I'm the dad in my family. Help me be a good dad. Lord, I've got a job and an income. Help me use my income. Give me wisdom. In the New Testament, Paul wrote the Ephesians this, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like the, live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, listen to this, but understand what the Lord wants you to do and underline, underline what the Lord wants you to do. That's what it means to fear the Lord, not to be wise in my own eyes, but to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? The other week, I had somebody come up to me and we were talking and the person said, hey, you ought to come to church. And they're inviting them to come to our church and uh, to be a part of worship on a Sunday morning. And the person goes, yeah, you know, no offense, but, you know, I, I, I can be a Christian without going to church. Well, um, if you say that to me out on the street, you're guaranteed of a five-minute conversation. Okay? I just want to warn you. Fair warning. And I said, well, I want to challenge you on that presupposition. Because, yes, you can be a Christian without going to church, but you can't be a successful one. And besides that, let me ask you another question. I know that's what you want. You, you apparently, you know, it's like you're convinced you don't need to go to church. But let me ask you a question. What does the Lord want you to do? And then, well, what? I said, what does the Lord want you to do? What does the Bible say? What does God want us to do? Does God want us to go to church or not? Regardless of what you want, what does the Lord want? What do you think the Bible says? And this is a conversation on a sidewalk. And they're going, wow, I really wasn't expecting that. I go, you shouldn't have, you just got in a big fight. Okay, here we go. What does the Lord want? And they said, well, I'm not sure. And I, so I said, well, I happen to have a copy of the Bible on my phone. Let me show you a couple of things. Do you know the Lord wants us to assemble together? He wants us to encourage each other. He wants us to pass on wisdom. Because God not only wants us to go to heaven someday, he wants us to serve him this day. And I don't have all the wisdom in the world, and neither do you. But imagine if we could rub off on each other. Imagine if we could inform each other. Imagine if we could encourage each other and help each other, which is exactly what the scriptures tell us to do. How am I going to do that by myself? And I said, here's what's more. I'm a dad. My sons, uh, the youngest ones in college, my other sons have moved away. What do I want at Christmas? Well, I want them to come home, be together. And if I could arrange that once a month, would I take it? I would take it. Because I'm a dad, and I love it when my kids get together. 
and we're all together for fellowship. Yep. Wish God could figure that out. Why wouldn't he want his kids to get together every week? Why wouldn't he want his kids to get together to pray for each other and encourage each other and help each other and pass on wisdom so you don't have to stumble around in the dark? In fact, that's exactly what Jesus was telling his disciples when he said, when they asked him, teach us how to pray, one of the lines out of the Lord's Prayer is, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Can somebody finish it for me? On earth as it is in heaven. So I got to figure that out all by myself, how to live heavenly values on earth. I can't ask you for advice and you can't give me advice and you can't listen to me and I can't listen to you. I'm going to do that better by myself. Well, the person said, well, you have a point. Okay. I want you to understand this is what Proverbs is about. God blessed Solomon with, with amazing wisdom. He was operating at a level that none of the rest of us are going to attain, according to Scripture. He could see things more clearly. He also knew, since he was seeing things more clearly, that it would be of great benefit if he could find a way to communicate pearls of wisdom down to the rest of us. So the simple could get help, so that the wise could be wiser still. Okay? And so he wrote them down in little sayings, little proverbs. We're going to look at some of them that have to deal with money today. Last week, when we were talking about, we've talked about the tongue, and we talked about parenting, and we've talked about our hearts. It wouldn't matter. There's all sorts of topics. But the reason why I've taken a big chunk out of each message, even though we're talking about these topics and talk about wisdom, because the key thing, it doesn't matter what we're talking about here. What we have to understand is the desire has to be what Paul said. Do you want to know what the Lord wants you to do? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want riches and honor and a long life, then true humility and fear of the Lord is the way you get it. Start by going to him. So we're going to talk about five habits of people who are smart with their money. We're going to talk about that, but I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to pray one more time and say, God, would you help me listen? Because I'm going to tell you there's some things in here that are going to be challenging. That's the way wisdom works. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just want to pray a, a simple prayer that, God, you would help me listen. There's not a one of us here who doesn't need wisdom with our money. There's not a one of us here that doesn't need to be smarter when it comes to our finances. No one could say, I don't need any help with this. So I pray that today, Lord, you'll speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Five habits, open your outline, five habits of people who, work, who are smart with their money. And again, these are all from Proverbs. Simple little sayings that will help us be wise. Number one, smart people work hard. When the Bible talks about accumulating wealth, it's accumulating wealth by hard work is the key. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes, this is Proverbs 13, 11, quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And again, we talked about this before. I, mentioned, I alluded to this before. But if I, have, if I earn money and invest it and I'm diligent with it, then my character changes because I've been growing and maturing as my finances have been growing and maturing. So when I get there, I know how to handle it. If I have a get-rich-quick scheme and I've got all kinds of greed that's driving me and, I've, and I just want shortcuts, well, once I get the money, then the greed is going to drive my spending and bad habits are going to do me in there too. And that's why get-rich-quick schemes, you get rich quickly, you get poor quickly because you never develop the character. It's an illusion to think I can have 
a weak character and get rich quick, and somehow it'll mag- I'll magically transform into a mature person who knows how to handle money. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. And yet we all want that, and we think, man, if I could just win the lottery, if I could just have all this money, then I'd be set. Now, without wisdom, it would all disappear. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. This is the other side of the coin. You can't just talk. You've got to work. The New Testament and 2 Thessalonians, Paul said, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. The Christians. This isn't just about talking. Lazy people. Solomon talked about this too. Lazy people want much, but they get little. But those who work hard will prosper. And that's the way it is. Lazy people want all this stuff. I mean, a Kansas version of this proverb was, lazy people want the gain, but they don't want the pain. I heard that when I was a kid. Apparently nobody else did. Anyway, it's, uh, it's probably from this verse. Lazy people, they want the gain, but they don't want the pain because it's painful to do the hard work. And it's painful to practice delayed gratification, to say, I want it now, but I'm not. I'm going to save it for later. I'm not going to buy this now. I'll keep driving my car. I'll keep doing this. I'll keep paying on this, pay down this debt so I can get out of this and be free. I'm going to set aside money for retirement. Whatever it is, I'm making a decision because this is important for me to get set up where I want to be. Well, lazy people aren't willing to do that. Hard workers do. Solomon, Proverbs 24. I walked by the field of a lazy person, a vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. And then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit, and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. If you could write in the margin, procrastination. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Some of you will write that down tomorrow. Um, No. But isn't it true? Lazy people want much, but they work little. Tomorrow. Mm -mm. This is wisdom. If you and I want to accumulate wealth, we want to have something for retirement, we want to have things paid off, we want to be able to buy things when we need them, it's going to take some hard work. There's no way around it. That's wisdom. God gave it to Solomon. He's passing it on to us. Secondly, smart people honor God with the first part of their income, with the first part. Solomon again, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And that could also be translated the first part. The first part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overthrow, overflow with good wine. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You know, if you and I leave over tithing or other things we're going to give to the ministry of the church, to the work of the kingdom of God, to missions, anything like this, and we just say, well, whatever's left at the end of the month, I'll give that. Well, there's not likely to be much left. Our federal government has figured that out. Do you know that they have practiced a little thing called withholding out of your paycheck? Has anybody discovered this besides me? Yeah. They take their money first. And then we fill out an income tax reform, if income tax form, and then they give us back some of this because they withheld too much, and we celebrate and go, whoa, look what they gave me. Yeah, your own money back with no interest. 
And we celebrate like something wonderful happened. Imagine if the federal government said, oh, yeah, y'all just go live your lives, and if there's anything left over, just pay that to the federal government. There wouldn't be much. Well, sometimes we treat God that way, even though God's the one who's given us everything we have. Look at the note there. All we have comes from God anyway. This is why Solomon says, hey, you want wisdom? Put God first. Here's another proverb that relates to it. Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Well, wait a minute, John. I thought you said up there in point one that wealth comes from hard work. Well, it does. Well, they can't, can they both be true? Yeah. And here how they're true is what Moses said in Deuteronomy 8. You may say to yourself, look, it's my power and the strength of my hands that have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. If you have strong arms that allow you to work, who gave you the arms? You have a good job? Who helped you get the job? Remember when you prayed to get that job? Oh, Lord, please help me get the job. Please help me get the job. And then you get the job. Hey, can I honor God with the wealth? No, I did it all on my own. Why should I give it to you? And we do this. And we forget all about the Lord. And that's why Moses said, don't forget about the Lord. You may say, it's my power and my strength. Well, who gave you breath in your lungs? Who keeps your heart beating? Remember and when you got that degree that helped you get the job and you stayed up all night and you prayed that God would help you pass chemistry? Who heard that prayer? And we forget all about that stuff. And we don't honor God with the first part. Sometimes we don't honor him with any part. I'm going to move on to the next point. You'll see how they're related here. Smart people not only honor God first with their income, smart people are also are generous to the poor. Now, on both of these, I could have put so many more Proverbs in here. It's unbelievable. I had pages on this. I'm just hitting you, hitting a, a small part of this, especially when it comes to being generous to the poor. Oh, my goodness, because this is God's heart. God identifies with the poor. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he'll reward him for all that he has done. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. If I want God's blessing... Then God says, hey, remember, I'm the one who gave you strength to make that money. I'm the one who entrusted you with these things. So be generous to others. I was generous to you. Pass it on. The generous will prosper. Okay, and on these two verses here, I have no idea why I got them backwards. Let me read 1124. It's the bottom verse and then 1125. So uh, sorry, this is a typographical error on my part. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I just want to say something here. These are simple little sayings. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. You refresh others, you'll be refreshed. This is where the Bible is upside down, and God asks us to trust him. Because our world says, "Uh uh-uh. You get as much as you can and keep it for yourself. Nobody else is looking out for you. And the Lord says, actually, that's not the way it works at all. And Solomon was reminding us of this too. Solomon said, that's not the way it works at all. I prayed for wisdom. And after God gave me wisdom, he said, because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you wealth too. Solomon never asked for wealth. God was glad to give it because he said, well, I can entrust wisdom. I mean, I can trust wealth to a person who's truly wise. I mean, God is the source of all wealth. And he says, I'm the source of all wealth. I'm going to entrust it to people who know what to do with it. 
I mean, if you had uh, a resource, whether it's an antique car, a collection of antique cars, or you had money in the bank, you want to find somebody who's going to take care of this. If you can't take care of it yourself, you say, well, there's a trustworthy person. They're wise. I'll put them in charge of this. If you found somebody who squandered it, you'd never let them handle something that's precious to you. And so Solomon says, don't forget this. Seek the Lord first. He gives you wisdom. If you get wisdom, you'll, know, you'll be able to handle everything he gives you. And one of the things the Lord wants is he wants you to use some of the resources he give you, gives you to help others. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, look, you've got to think of it like this. God is planting a crop, and he gives seed to the sower. So if I sow abundantly, if I'm generous with what he gives me, then God will give me more seed because he wants a bigger crop. But if I don't believe in God and I don't trust that he's going to bless me, well, then I won't do that. But the Bible says, no, seek me first. I mean, Jesus said this way, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. Here's how it reflects with our money. Honor God first in your finances, then be generous to others. Love God first, love your neighbors yourself. And if you do that, God will entrust you with more. But all of this is a faith step. And that's what it means to fear the Lord. And Solomon said, here's what I've discovered. God gave me great wisdom because I asked for it. Once I had the wisdom, he said, there's no problem giving you the money because you'll know how to handle it. What if we thought that way? A fourth thing. Smart people carefully manage their resources and plan for the future. And if I ask for wisdom, that's what I'm asking. God, would you show me how to manage my resources and plan for the future? Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For ridges don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Diligence. If you'd write that word in there, that's diligence. This is a character quality, and this is something that we all need to practice. I mean, I need to make sure that I'm balancing my checkbook. I need to make sure I'm keeping up with my retirement fund. I need to make sure that I'm fixing things on my car and on my house in a timely manner so they don't get out of control, that I'm taking care of what God has already given me. It's an illusion to say, oh, well, you know, God, if you give me more, I'd take care of that, but I'm not even taking care of what I have. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. That's what a budget is. It's just a simple spending plan so I can save money. Do I know where my money goes? Well, that's part of being a good manager. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. That means I have an emergency fund. I mean, if my budget is this, hey, if nobody gets sick and the refrigerator never breaks down and we don't ever have to get a new car in the next 20 years, we're golden. That's not a good financial plan. Because we've made no precautions for anything ever going south. And they will. And that's why if we plan for it, that's called wisdom. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. See, we haven't even gone into that category yet. God often gives us money, so we'll have money to help the poor. He gives us money to prepare for the future. And then we squander it on all sorts of foolish and wicked things. And then we wonder why God doesn't entrust us with more. But you're not even doing anything with what you got. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
Fear him. Put him first. Be generous with others. Manage what you have. Work hard. And then that's when your barns will be filled with grain and your vats will overflow. I mean, it's a picture again of somebody working. It doesn't say, and then your bank account will grow huge and your closet will be full, magically be full of nice clothes. It's barns are full and vats work because it's assuming that you're going to work and you're going to do something with what he gave you. Finally, the fifth one, smart people know the importance of contentment. Proverbs 23, 4, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Man, we get out of college, driving an old car, living on folding chairs, eating ramen noodles. If I can just get some income, and then we get a better job and get a better car, a little nicer place to live, and we eat more than ramen noodles. And then as our income grows, we just keep accumulating more and more and more and more, and sometimes we don't ever stop. And we really think that whoever dies with the most toys wins. Or at least we act like it. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. And please circle that and draw an arrow and write daily bread. I found the only translation of the Bible that didn't use daily bread. I don't know why I put that in there. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. The reason why it's important to put daily bread, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, and we mentioned this before, about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, another line in that prayer is, give us this day our, finish it for me, daily bread. Jesus was quoting Proverbs 30. He was. Give us this day our daily bread. Not too much so we get prideful, not too little so we have to steal and dishonor God's name. Give me enough to meet my needs. And then I'll be refreshed because I'll be freed from the shackles of having too much junk. I mean, you understand why we're refreshed when we give things away, when we give it to the Lord and give it to others, because our priorities are set right. And it's such a joy when we can actually help somebody with some of our resources because now we're freed from greed and we're freed from the control it has over us. And we live in a country now where we have to have so much stuff. Now we not, and then we find we're tied to this stuff and it controls us. We have to insure it and store it and climate control it. We have to identify it and deduct it and then report it, you know, figure, hire an accountant or somebody to track down where it went instead of using it as God intended. Those who love money will never have enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. You know who wrote that? Solomon. Same guy who wrote all these Proverbs. That's at the end of his life. God gave him more money than anybody else. He was ridiculously wealthy. And over and over again in Ecclesiastes, he talks about it. He says, man, I tried to do all this stuff with money. I invested it. I used it for these building projects. I wined and dined myself. I had the finest of everything, and it all meant nothing. The only thing that matters is to fear the Lord and use it for his purposes. Let me read it again. The wealthiest man, the wisest man who ever lived said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And again, we have an abundance of evidence in our own culture that this is true. People who are fabulously wealthy and they're fighting drug addictions 
burning through marriages right and left in horrible custody battles. I mean, it's all epic. We can find these things on the internet with no search. And yet we go, man, I want to have that because that'll make me truly happy. And Solomon would tell us, "Mm -mm. you know what will make you truly happy? Fear the Lord, put him first in your life. Honor him with your wealth. Work hard. Be generous to others. Know when enough is enough. Make sure you're praying for direction so you can plan and budget accordingly. Let's pray. Lord, we began this lesson today saying, Lord, would you give us wisdom about our finances? We heard it. Help us apply it. Those Proverbs are given to us to make us wiser still. If the Lord spoke to you about something while I was talking, and you went, oh, I needed to hear that. Just silently right where you are, say, Lord, thank you for letting me hear that today. Thanks for the reminder. Make us wise, Father, and give us the strength to be obedient. In the name of Jesus, amen.